Hello and welcome to episode 29 of Rank Up, an on-page SEO podcast where we talk about technical SEO, content optimization, search engine news, and much more. I'm one of your hosts, Ben Gary, and I am joined today by the returning Ed Wilson. I know you've been away for a couple of episodes now, I think, Ed, so uh, how are you doing? Hi, Ben. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Um, Just had two coffees in quick succession, so if I talk faster than I already do, then you'll, you'll know why. That's very dangerous before a podcast. I, I admire I your bravery there. <laughs> At least you'll have plenty of energy. You're going to be you're going to be very alert and aware throughout this whole episode. Yeah, well, I'm pretty buzzed up about this uh, topic anyway, to be honest. It's something that I've kind of really thrown myself into in the past six months. So yeah, really excited to, to get into it. Absolutely. And without further ado, we will introduce our guest for this episode, uh, Nick Swan, who is the founder of seotesting.com. Uh, a SaaS platform for running tests and experiments for your SEO activities. If that doesn't mean a huge amount to you listening to this right now, don't worry, because hopefully this episode will make it uh, mean a lot more. Uh, but Nick, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm very well. Thanks, Ben. And Ed, thanks for having me on the podcast. Looking forward to it. No problem at all. Thank you for joining us. And uh, we'll be able to go straight into it because we've got plenty of questions around SEO testing. It's the, it's the logical topic, given what you do. Um, but before we get right into the meat of it, um, it would be great to hear more about you, because I guess among our guests, uh, you've probably got one of the more unique career paths for people we've spoken to with ending up now running your own tool. Uh, so how did you get to this point? Well, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll try and keep this as short as possible. So, so yeah, I live in Bude in North Cornwall, so based in the UK as well. Oh, very um, nice got three young kids and so my motivation levels and happiness levels really depend on how well my kids sleep so <laughs> the good the good news is, is they had quite a good sleep last night so uh, so hopefully I'll sound chirpy and everything I'm glad um, to hear it <laughs> uh, so yeah I've been doing SEO since around 1998 so for quite a while wow. um, I've got an older brother who's 10 years older than me and back in 1998 I think I was like well I know I was like 17 18 so just about to go to university um, yeah. and he had his own business selling car parts and so I was already into computer programming at the time uh, and he said to me you know build me a website get me listed on the search engines that were around at the time like Alta Vista and so on yeah. and I'll pay your accommodation rent for you and I was like well that sounds like a great deal so <laughs> that's what kind of got me started in building websites just in HTML and keyword stuffing and all the things you could get away with in those days and it was good fun i mean seo was a lot easier back then Uh, link building was a lot easier it's obviously changed or it's still it's still the same but there's a lot has changed at the same time as well um and so yeah at university i studied software engineering uh for four years and did a few jobs back and forth and then eventually co-founded my own business uh selling uh extensions and tools for microsoft sharepoint so I was kind of building those tools, but then also doing the website and doing SEO for that site, for that business as well. So throughout like the 20 odd years, I've always been involved in SEO, one form or another. Um, I left that business in 2013 and just as a side project and just to kind of as an interesting, I started up a voucher codes website. So yeah. for anybody in the US, that's like a coupon codes website, I guess. Yes. Um, and the reason for doing this was I knew someone who was working in the industry and they were kind of telling me that all the sites that were ranking at the top at the moment were in, into all these black hat practices of buying links off all kinds of sites, spinning content, everything you could think of. And the view we kind of took was they were going to get whacked by penalties at some point in the future. Mm. So the, the hypothesis we had was that, well, if we start up a Vouchco's website and we do everything white hat and be whiter than white and the best we can, then once these, these sites get whacked, then... Um, 
and hopefully we'll do quite well. Yeah. And it took a couple of years to get the site built up and so on. But then once all, once all these sites got hit by the various penalties, we did do well for about a year. <laughs> yeah. um, and if you've done any, any kind of affiliate marketing or, you know, voucher code stuff, you know that once, once you're ranking in the top three, you can be doing quite well in terms of, you know, the money that you're making and so on. Yeah. But then it's interesting, really, because Google haven't really paid much attention to the voucher code sector for a long time. And once these sites started coming back, then there were lots of churn and burn sites were coming into the into yeah. the rankings. And now there's the issue. It's been around for two or three years, and you'll you'll know this from the work that you guys are doing, perhaps in the clients and so on. Um, there's kind of the rank, uh, the renting and ranking side of things, where newspapers, any site that's got any kind of authority now has a voucher code section. Yeah. And so yeah, yeah. you search for any kind of retailer name discount code, and you'll get the Telegraph, Metro, all kinds of sites. Even even sites like the NME, which used to be a, a musical magazine publication. Yeah. You know, they've got a voucher code uh, section now. <laughs> Um, so Google don't seem to care about the sector anymore. So I don't really don't really play it, play in it anymore. But what got me started into to what I'm doing now is that when the site was doing well, I was doing lots of click through rate testing with page titles and meta descriptions. Yeah. Um, so if you're ranking in, in position one to three, if you can boost your click through rate by one or two percent or so, and that can make quite a big difference to the monthly revenue and so on. Um, and I started tracking these in a spreadsheet. So I was tracking, you know, what the page title change was, clicks and position and click to rate yeah. and so on for a period of time before, and then trying to check it each day um, to see what the difference was. And this, once you get to, you know, past a few tests uh, that you're running, it takes quite a long time to look these up in Search Console and so on. Yeah, I can and so, so, yeah, being a kind of software engineer and knowing there was an API for Google Search Console, I just looked into how to automate it really. And so really the, the whole tool and uh, came from scratching my own itch of, um, of getting this search console data out and stopping yeah. myself having to track it all manually in spreadsheets. Um, yes. What was also interesting at the time as well was search console only had three months worth of data available, yep. which is, you know, poultry and didn't really <laughs> like to do much with. Um, so the first version of the product really was about archiving the data and then about being able to track these tests that you were running. Um, and that was called sanitycheck.io. Um, and then just before the start of the pandemic, we were talking about offices closing and things like that just, mm. uh, just before the, the call started. Um, I did a whole bunch of customer analysis of what people were using Sanity Check for. You know, what was the ideal customer, the customers that stick around? What do they, were they using the tool for? And a lot of it was testing um, because there's various other reports and bits and pieces of functionality I, did, I added into it. Yeah. And I managed to buy, so I decided testing was something I was going to focus on um, within the tool. And I, just from a, a quick domain search, I found out that seotesting.com was available to buy. Yeah. So took a bit of a gamble, paid a, a few thousand dollars for the domain name, um, rebuilt the app from the ground up because the archiving wasn't so important anymore because 16 months worth of data was available now. Yeah. Um, and again, going back to pandemic stuff, <laughs> I released it in April 2020. So terrible wow. timing for releasing <laughs> a new app. <laughs> um, but I did it as a free beta because, you know, businesses were struggling we didn't know what was going to happen in the world did we over the next you know six 12 months and so on mm. and so I did it as a free beta to to get it out there get people using it get people testing it and giving feedback and so on and yeah. started charging in July 2020 once things had calmed down and got back to a bit of normality and yeah, uh, yeah been working on it since yeah I remember when um Sanity Check first came out because I know it was quite a big quite a big thing I saw a lot of like um 
uh, a lot of people sharing it on Twitter because I think it at the time it felt like very much of the the first tool that was taking Google Search Console data and presenting it in a a kind of user friendly way. I know now people do a lot more with Google Data Studio, but it's interesting you mentioned that that pivot towards SEO testing. Did you kind of I know you mentioned you ran the survey with your current like uh, people that you were using Sally's check-in, but mm. had you noticed like a, a demand increasing for SEO testing? Because I think more than ever, we're seeing more like um, tool providers such as like SEMrush trying to get involved in this space. But did you notice that, were you expecting it to be focused on testing when, when you were expecting those results to come back or was it quite um, quite a surprise? It was, it was a bit of a surprise. So I've been very fortunate with the timing of this as well. So upon buying that domain name, seotesting.com, it's certainly been riding on the wave of, lots of other companies building some tools which is kind of expanding the amount of people that are talking about seo testing um so i've been fortunate from that point of view what's what's also interesting was when it was called sanity check um and it had various other reports in it reports in it like uh, striking distance keywords and keywords add low click-through rates and things like that the issue i had was that people that were were finding out about the tool because it was a, a general SEO tool at that point, people were saying, well, how does this compare to Hrefs? How does it compare to SEMrush? And I didn't want to be competing against those guys. Um, they're obviously much bigger. They've got bigger budgets and so on. And so um, I spoke to a positioning expert, actually, um, Asia Matos. And I said, this is the route I'm thinking of going. Um, I've noticed that SEO testing is something that the customers are using a lot of. It's a hot topic and so on. And she said, it's a great thing because not only are you choosing a position to position the tool to, but you're positioning yourself away from competitors as well. Yeah. Um, and so that's worked really well. You know, <clears throat> the domain name kind of tells you exactly what the tool does um, from an initial, you know, interest point of view. And I've, I've positioned the tool away from competing against these other big guys because um, it's just me that works on SEO testing. As I was saying, a uh, developer's joined just recently part-time to help out, but up until then, it's just been me working on it. So building the features, doing marketing support and so on. So um, trying to compete with the, the bigger guys who've got bigger budgets for everything. Um, yeah. Again, you need to be careful what you take on. <laughs> yeah. And have you been um, generally kind of growing the customer base through people who have kind of come to you knowing that they want SEO testing or have you had to make much of an effort to get the the message out there? Uh, kind of, I suppose, as we'll be doing on the podcast now and kind of educating people from scratch that this is something they might need to pay attention to. Well, do you know, the initial bunch of customers that came to the tool were kind of doing testing anyway. Yeah. They, they were doing it the same approach I was doing it. So they were they were using a spreadsheet and manually doing it. And so by just having a tool that, that cuts down on the time it takes to do that manual task, I didn't really have to educate the first bunch of people to say, you know, you should be testing, you should be checking your results and and, and collecting them and so on. They're already doing that. So it's really been a time-saving tool for, for pe- the initial set of users who've been been using it. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And uh, well, hopefully this podcast now will help people who are encountering this topic for the first time to hear a bit more about it. And um, uh, because it's something that at Impression we're now starting to do more and more of since since starting to use seotesting.com and uh, something I personally have been learning a lot about uh, just as a result of that in the last couple of months. So uh, we're really keen to talk to you more and, and give you a chance to get that message out there. And um, before we go any any deeper into the podcast, it probably makes sense to get a definition out there so that everybody knows what we're talking about. Um, so how do you describe SEO testing? What is it that we're doing? I think from its most, most basic level and description, I think it's about making a change to a site or a page, sorry, um, or maybe an entire site if you're changing like a big element like navigational structure and so on, and then tracking the results from 
tracking the results of those changes from organic search results perspective. Uh, right. And I think what's interesting is that we've all been doing it anyway. Um, even back in 98, when I started working yeah. in SEO, we've been doing it in terms of making, like the SEO, the optimization side of things, that is about making changes, right? You're optimizing something to try and get it to rank better within the search engine. Yeah. And so we've been making these changes and we've been checking them via rank trackers or via Google Analytics or whatever. I think the the thing that's changed recently and why SEO, why it's called SEO testing now is there's tools that are doing it for you in perhaps a more automated way. And so I guess what we're trying to do with SEO testing is have a more structured approach to making those changes. And most importantly, with the tool I've got is tracking the results. Yeah. So we've, we've been making changes to websites since, uh, since they ever first came around. We've tracked results from looking in rank trackers and manually looking at results and stuff. It's just now about making it automated and easier to track those results and see see how those changes affect the website yeah. and our rankings and so on. Yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense and um, I think helps to to start to clarify what we're talking about. Um, but one thing I'm, I'm also interested in is um, what kinds of tests it entails. Uh, and the reason I ask that to give you a bit of context is when I first heard about us uh, impression using the seotesting.com website, my mind immediately went to AB split testing, um, which is a, a concept that is used in quite widely used around plenty of different marketing channels already, um, not just for SEO. But that was my first thought. And I know that is handled on the tool, not to give too much away. So one thing I'm interested in in hearing about at this stage, Nick, is different types of tests that, that we can run. Because when I first heard about your tool and we started using it at Impression, uh, my my first impression was uh, A-B testing. That was immediately where my mind went when I heard SEO testing. And I know that's something that is often used in other marketing channels a lot and to some extent in SEO. Uh, but having seen the tool, I now know that that's not the entirety of what it does. Um, so generally speaking, what different kinds of tests are involved in your conception of SEO testing? Right. So there's there's two types of tests that you can run really with SEO testing. There's time-based testing, um, which is where you perhaps change just one individual page right. and you'll compare two different time periods. So it'll be a period of time before you made that change, whether it's four weeks or six weeks, something like that. And then you make your change, publish it, ask Google to re-index the page within Search Console, create the test, and then start measuring the performance for four to six weeks after you've made that change. And you'll compare the two periods against each other. Hopefully, you'll see an uplifting clicks, uh, click-through right. rate, impressions, and so on, whatever it is you're hoping to improve. Then there's also split testing, as you've mentioned. So split testing, from a web point of view, we're kind of used to from a conversion rate optimization um, standpoint. Yes. And perhaps we'll come into the differences, uh, the nitty-gritty stuff a bit later on. Yeah. So, But within SEO testing, split testing is still time-based. So you're still comparing one period against another. Yeah. But you're creating two groups of pages. So you're creating a control group and a test group. And you're going to compare those two groups of pages over a period of time before you make the change again. Then you make your change to the test group. And you continue to compare those two groups of page pages after that change has been made. Yeah. And you can then compare the two groups of pages against each other rather than just you know having one page that you're comparing two different time periods. Um, right. So it's a di bit more complex to set, to set up a split test, um, but it will give you a more kind of accurate result. Because with time-based SEO testing, 
Um, and this goes for any SEO testing in general as well. It's, it's certainly not a silver bullet. So you still need to kind of, if it gives you positive results, you still need to look into the data and think about why this has happened. Um, because it's it's almost impossible to do kind of single variable tests. Um, yeah. Because we don't know, you know, the black box of variables that Google is using to rank websites. And with machine learning algorithms and things like that, it can be said that even Google engineers don't know what's ranking a particular yeah. niche and sector and so on anymore. So there's a, there's also things such as algorithm updates that are going on potentially when you're running a test and seasonality as well, which sure. we can perhaps come on to, on to later. So it's not a silver bullet, but at the same time, having some data and results to look at and consider and draw conclusions from is better than having nothing. Um, so yeah, with time-based testing, you have to be careful in terms of algorithm updates and seasonality. Split testing, it's harder to set up and do because you've got groups of pages that you're making changes to, but yep. the results will be more accurate and uh, you can kind of draw a firmer conclusion from them. Yeah, nice. well, that makes a lot of sense. And my my immediate follow-up uh, is just to say, you mentioned four to six weeks there. Um, and I'm just curious, again, as as a relative newcomer to this, uh, what what's good about four to six weeks as a time frame for for tests? Well, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, they're just they're kind of just periods that I've come up with within the tool and, and used as well. So um, I kind of always used to say when people were doing tests as a guidance thing, if they're doing any click-through rate testing for page titles and meta descriptions, run the test for at least two weeks. Okay. If you're doing some kind of other on-page stuff, such as content refresh, run the test for four weeks. Um, yeah. If you're testing something external, like you've got new links onto a, into a page, um, you don't really know when Google's going to re-index those new links that you picked up and so on. And so I'd always say run those for six weeks um, sure. because, yeah, it'll just give it more time to pick up those links and show the results. They're just arb arb arbitrary time periods. Um, you can go in and select any time period that you want to within the tool. Okay. And I've kind of I've changed the guidance as well. And I'd, like if I'm doing a demo and so on, I'll say, you know, it's best to just run a test for six weeks. Um, again, just so you've got more data to be able to look at and, and compare time periods with as well. Yeah, that makes sense. And, it, and what are the examples you gave there, even if they're not hard and fast, they do kind of make sense just with, I suppose, anecdotal knowledge of how long these changes tend to take to filter through into search results and make a difference. So uh, all of all of that does really make sense. Uh, Ed, was there something you wanted to come in on there as well? Yeah, I've got a question that I thought would be useful to ask now. Um, I know, Nick, you've you've created the SEA testing guide, which exists as a, a guide on the, on the website. And um, I think that's been quite useful for me but also I know a lot of people that have been learning from it in terms of like when to run testing and considerations around it and as Ben mentioned leading up to that question he mentioned you know he has familiarity with split testing due to other marketing activities whether that be through PPC or CRO but I guess with SEO testing we can follow similar steps to kind of from a, a CRO test but I guess people with limited experience in terms of I guess the methodology and things such as like statistical significance yeah. and how long to run a test. I guess, how do you approach creating a test for SEO? I know you've mentioned a few things there in terms of SEO aspects, in terms of how long it can take for a search engine robot to pick up some specific changes. But I guess, do you have any kind of top level guidelines in terms of any SEO that are wanting to get involved in testing? How would you go about, before even you start running things, things that you should consider before actually running a, an SEO test? Yeah, so I guess uh, now would be a good time because you've obviously you mentioned conversion rate optimization, and this is where a lot of people know the kind of testing side of things from. So it would be worth just kind of covering you know, what the difference is between CRO split testing and kind of SEO split testing or SEO testing from any point of view. So 
So with the CRO um, testing, you kind of you take a page and you create two versions of that page. And you know, as visitors come to your website, uh, Group A will see one version, and Group B will see a different version of that page. And um, they might have a different color button on, or different header text, or something like that. And then you'll measure the the differences in conversions based on those those differences on the two groups of pages. Hopefully, one will win, and then you'll be able to say, you know, Group Group uh, Page A, Type A, is the best page, the best color button, or the best header, and this is the one we're going to go for. The difference with SEO split testing is we can't have two versions of the same page. Google will only ever take one type of page in its index uh, or one instance of a page, sorry. So mm -hmm. this is where we have to compare different time periods rather than comparing different in, different instances or di two different versions of the same page. This is why we're having to compare time periods. Um, and so then to create a split test though, again, we can't use do di two different types of the same page. We have to take pages that are similar and put them into groups. So it works, split tests work particularly well for, for types of sites that have lots of the same types of pages. So e-commerce is one particular example. Um, so they have lots of product pages, they're the same, same type of pages or category pages or something like that. So for a split test, for example, what we would do is we would take 10 or 20 product pages, we'll take 20 product pages, for example, we'll put 10 of those pages into a control group, we won't test those pages at all, and we'll take another 10 pages, and this will be our test group, and these are the ones that we're going to make changes to, and then we're going to compare those two groups over the period of test period of time to see how the test group does compared to the control group. So it's the same kind of theory of having two groups of things, or two groups, um, we just can't do it with the same page, we have to bucket pages together, um to be able to compare them um yeah. yeah in terms of in terms of statistical significance that kind of stuff obviously it helps you need to you need to have your you want to be testing with pages that get traffic um obviously if they're in google and they're not getting it depends again it's a big topic so i'm kind of going around all over the place oh, please um, <laughs> it depends what you're testing for right so I'll, I'll start with the low low traffic answer so if you've got some some pages that have got are getting low traffic um, you'll probably want to test on ranking rather than a big increase in traffic. So you could yeah. take, I would do a time-based test on that page um, because just because it's low traffic doesn't mean it's valuable traffic. You know, we could have a really high valuable keyword that we're, we know has a high conversion rate and so on. Um, just because it's low traffic and low search volume doesn't mean we can't test around it. We can test around uh, the average position of that page for that keyword and also the click-through rate of it as well. Um, so we wouldn't necessarily be looking at clicks for that. But then obviously for high traffic pages, you can be looking directly at clicks um, in terms of do the changes that we've made, have it, has it led to more clicks coming to that page? Um, again, in terms of looking at the results themselves, um, within SEO testing and within running your own testing setup, however you do it within a spreadsheet or whatever, when, when you're coloring in cells as to whether it's positive or negative result, um, so within SEO testing, and when I was doing testing myself in a spreadsheet, I would be checking clicks, impressions, click-through rate, and average position. Um, and I color it in green or red as to whether it goes up or down. Yeah. Now, for the test period, if those are all green, then obviously that's good. We've seen an increase. You can kind of, you know, as long as you consider the other factors uh, like algorithm updates and seasonality, you can say, well, that those tests are good. Um, but sometimes um, the clicks will go up. The average position might go down. The impressions will go up and the click-through rate might drop. Um, and sometimes this is for the case of, you know, a page has started to rank for more keywords 
And so the clicks go up, but the average position goes down because you start to rank for more keywords and the impressions go up, but the click-through rate again goes down because you're ranking for more keywords, lots more impressions and so on, yeah. but the clicks haven't necessarily gone up as well. So there's some instances where um, you'll get a mixture of the traffic light signals, red and green, and then you kind of have to look into the data and say, well, you know, we're ranking for more keywords. Um, and so this is still a good result, even though the click-through rate and average position has dropped a bit. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And um, it kind of leads me on to, I think quite nicely, onto the next couple of questions I had in mind, because you mentioned a lot of different examples there and different metrics you can look at. Um, it sounds like SEO testing as, a, as an overall discipline is a very flexible thing. Um, so should SEOs in an ideal world be running tests on pretty much everything they can implement or change? Or, or are there actually certain activities that are more conducive to SEO testing? Well, I think any, anything on page, you can be testing around that or you should set up a test um, yeah. to track. Um, and this is as much about, so there's some people I know and having spoken to lots of customers, so a lot of my time is spent speaking to customers at the moment. There's there's some people that are, any change they've, they've built into their kind of standard operating procedure and so on um, for their content teams and bits and pieces. There. Yeah. So any any change, any content refresh, anything they do on the site, they now on a page, sorry, they'll now go and they'll set up a test for it. Um, and they don't even necessarily go in and look at those test results, um, even when the test is completed. Right. But it creates a record for the things that they've changed on the site. Yes, and okay. so then they can go back in and look in six months' time because they've wrong, got ongoing work going on and stuff like that. They don't necessarily go, remember to go back and look at a test. But in six months' time, when you know they perhaps got performance review or uh, or, um, or or the director's asking, you know, what have we done on the website over the last yeah. six months? They can go back and then they can have a look and see. Well, in January we changed, we made these changes. It led to this result. In February we made these changes. It led to that result, and so on and so forth. So, as well as for people that are running tests, they want to check what the results are right now and they want to you know iterate around those results straight away it's also important and it's about creating a change log of what's been going on on a site so that you can go back and historically see and historically see the data from those tests um to be able to draw conclusions from it so yeah. so yeah anything on page going back to this anything on page i would say to test um anything there's certain things off page as well that you can test as we've, we've mentioned when you get new links if you're on a yeah. link building campaign uh, a link into a specific page but then there's also uh, if you're running kind of traditional PR and mm. you've had success with getting brand mentions and things like that obviously at those those days when those brand mentions get published or whatever you're probably going to see an increase in traffic but you can measure the test you can then set up and run over a six-week period and see whether those brand mentions continue and whether those brand searches and so on you know lead to a, an increase and you know improvement in traffic for yeah. other areas of the website and so on. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. That, that makes a, a lot of sense. And as you're speaking, the, the benefit of me being on this call is that I can take ideas away from my clients and stuff straight away. So, you know, there's definitely a slightly selfish <laughs> aspect to this for me, but uh, it's, it's awesome to hear how wide reaching it is. Um, and just to push that a little bit further, um, it, we've spoken a little bit about, you, you mentioned kind of traffic levels uh, being taken into consideration, depending on which metrics you're looking at. Um, so is SEO testing just better or worse suited to different kind of sizes of sites or even different types of sites and industries? Um, like is, is there really a sweet spot for testing or is it a case that actually any site in any industry can do it to some extent? Yeah, I think any site in any, any industry can be doing 
doing the testing in terms of uh, the time-based testing. So yeah. this is just taking one individual page, making a change to it and creating a test or tracking the test on the results and so on. Um, and so from a group of, of customers of SEO testing, the types of sites that do that type of testing and how they use the tool, they're kind of content-heavy sites. Yeah. So a lot of affiliate-based sites, uh, publishing-based sites, that kind of thing. So they'll take an individual page, they want to rank better, they refresh the content, they create a test around that URL and they track the results and so on. Um, the split testing, as I've mentioned, is much more suited to template-based sites. So yeah. e-commerce sites, um, I'm trying to think of some of the ones like estate agent listing sites, anything sure. like that, yeah. auction-type sites, so anything that you're using a template for yeah. um, across product pages or category pages. Um, if you want to test something, as I said, you know, create a test around a small batch of pages to see how those changes affect those pages. And if you see an, an improvement and increase, then you can roll that change out to, to all the product pages. Um, it's about doing kind of incremental changes, uh, not incremental changes, but doing, you know, like changes to a small group of pages rather than changing every product page uh, and running the risk of, of hurting the entire site. Change a small group of pages in a split test, see if you see a positive result. And if you do, then you've got more confidence to roll that change out to a bigger, bigger group of pages. Yeah. And I guess for for people listening who are maybe thinking about the practicalities of this, I suppose when it does come to split testing and changing some pages in a template, but not all of them, that I, I presume will likely be something that people will have to kind of check with their own developers and their own, maybe their own setup or, or whoever they're speaking to who's in charge of the website. Because I guess for some sites, that's going to be easier than others to change some, but not all of, of a certain template. Yeah. So there's kind of three different approaches you can take with this. Um, so if 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 you're just getting started and you want to do a bit of testing the way I did it back in in the day, um, yeah. and you've got no budget, for example, you can do yeah. it all manually yourself. So you can manually make the changes to your pages. Sure. You can use Google Search Console and a spreadsheet and keep a track of the tests in there and um, and you know track the the differences in clicks, impressions, and so on um, for the pages that you're changing. Um, if you if you still want to do manual changes um, to your pages, but you want to automate the collection of the results uh, more, then that's where SEOtesting.com comes in. Yeah. Um, but as you said, you know SEO testing has become a a, a bigger sec. Uh, there's more interest in SEO testing in general at the moment now. So there's more tools out there. So a couple of can list of such as Search Pilot, Rank Sense, and SEM Rush's new tool, Split Signal. So they, these guys they all use either a CDN or a JavaScript library that you'll need to install on your site. And they can manage the rollout of the changes for you okay. um, through the JavaScript library, through their admin interface, or through the CDN that you pipe your traffic through. Um, and then they'll track the results for you. So it depends on the approach you want to take, whether you want to install something else on your website, all that kind of stuff as to mm. what, what you want to do and use. I was going to say, I think I was going to say with the with SEO testing, I, I do enjoy how it, it, it can cater to a range of experiences, whether it be someone getting used to SEO testing for the first time, whether it be, like you say, sing, simple page changes or, you know, the more advanced split testing. I think it's I think there's the big positive that actually you can use a, a tool like this and get involved straight away without having to, you know, implement it on a client's website. All you really need to do is set up the, the uh, search console access, right? Totally. Yeah. And, um interestingly 95 percent of the testing that's done on seo testing is the time-based testing um so either split testing is great and it it will bring 
I don't want to say better results, but it'll give you like more confidence in the results. But because you're making changes to multiple pages at the same time, it's just harder to do on a manual basis at least. Um, so yeah, so you know, if you just want to get started, time-based testing is a place to go and uh, and to get started. And then from having spoken to people within the industry and who are working, um, you know, within businesses rather than on the agency side. It's interesting because there's these, the tools that are out there, Search Pilot, Rank Sense, and Split Signal. Um, they cater to a certain size of business, I think, because as soon as a business gets huge, mm. you know, they've got more resources available to them. And I know that a lot of the larger websites have built their own split testing infrastructure. Um, and so, you know, these sites aren't going to want to, you know, they're the big dot coms. They aren't not going to want to rely on a third party JavaScript snippet to be installed and so on. So they kind of build out their own and they have the resources to do it. They built out their own split testing um, in-house tools to run. Um, so, yeah, there's lots of options available to people now. It's really exciting time to be involved in it. And, and just before I hand the reins over to Ed for a few of his slightly more in-depth questions, there was one other thing you've touched on in your previous answers, which I think is important to uh, chat about briefly, which is just you, you mentioned a couple of times algorithm changes and seasonality uh, potentially affecting the results that you get and having to be aware of those, uh, which if you're, I suppose, if you're testing compared to the previous period, there is always going to be the risk that external factors are going to uh, affect the data that you see. Um so is there a best practice way to to account for that? Is it just the length of the test uh, giving you the kind of the the confidence in the results or or just I suppose planning the tests well to kind of account for when you know your your traffic's likely to be changing? Like what what are some ways to get around that? Yeah, it's interesting you said about planning the test well. So like off the bat advice is don't do any testing around Black Friday or that Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> or if you're like a chocolate or flowers company, Valentine's Day, you know, you sure, know when your season, yeah. big seasonal differences are going to be. And don't, whether it's time-based testing or split testing, just avoid any testing around that period. Yeah. Um, so within our, with algorithm updates, obviously we don't necessarily, or we don't know when they're likely to be coming out, unless obviously they're pre-announced. But either way, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the, the idea with split testing is that because you're testing two groups of pages, um, both of those groups, the test group and the control group, would be affected equally by the algorithm update. Yep. So any uplift you see within the test group, you could, you're could you more likely to be able to put down to the changes you've made rather than any algorithm update. Um, but yeah, you need to be careful um, if you know that an algorithm update has happened in either of the, the, the pre and post time periods. You, know, you can recreate the test and just do a shorter period so you don't capture yeah. that algorithm update and so on. Um, but as SEOs, you know, and on Twitter daily, we we know when algorithm updates are, are happening, especially official ones these days, which is great. Um, and we can kind of take that into account when when we're looking at uh, test results and so on. But yeah, in terms of planning, yeah, avoid Black Friday, Christmas, yeah. um, <laughs> those kind of things that you know are coming up. Yeah, I just think probably around the time this episode launch is actually going to be within a month of Black Friday. So that's definitely going to be one for people to be aware of <laughs> listening to this. But I guess, you know, would you want to be running a test over Black Friday? Probably not. Probably because not. No. you've got everything planning in place. Uh, you don't want it to, any moving parts over what would potentially be the busiest day or weekend yeah. of, uh, of your business. So Yeah, that's, that's very sensible. Um, Ed, did you have uh, any more questions you wanted to ask as sort of follow-ups to what we've discussed? Yeah, I know we um, ran over in terms of uh, approaches to CRO. Nick, I, just, I know you mentioned... Um, before the podcast and also during on uh, the podcast that you um, are spending a lot of time listening to your customers now and taking the considerations and, and developing on them. Uh, so maybe not so much time spent on SEO <laughs> recently, but in terms of, um, 
your history or or kind of stories, but I know you've shared some data recently on Twitter as well. Is I guess the surprising results from running SEO tests. I know as SEOs we can kind of fall victim to kind of best practices and understanding that you know certain things can drive big results when actually you know depending on website to website or industry to industry, there's going to be individual things that matter more to specific websites. So I guess my question is, have you, I guess, any surprising results that you've been aware of people running tests on SEO testing or anything like that? Yeah, and it's great that you've mentioned best practices because it's on, on my notes to mention as well. So we obviously see best practices and case studies and people posting uh, graphs on Twitter and so on every now and again. And we need to be super careful of these, as you say, because um, with a best practice or a case study, you know, what worked 12 months ago won't necessarily work now. Um, different sectors or niches within the Google search results are ranked in different ways and have different weighted ranking factors and so on. So with everything, any best practice, any idea, you know, take it as a hypothesis, what you read, but then start it as a hypothesis and start testing around that to see whether what you know you think or what you've read has worked for one website will work for your website or your client's website as well um so that's the first thing uh just to, to touch on the best practices and case studies type thing um but in terms of uh, you asked for some surprising results within the notes questions and so on and kind of unfortunately now because i'm spending all my time working on a tool um <laughs> i don't do too much seo testing myself um and i haven't done for a year or so since doing the initial click-through rate testing stuff um but i did a couple of months ago i did some analysis uh because i wanted to see um how good people were at seo who were using the tool <laughs> um <laughs> and so it was, it's quite surprising and so this was only based on the time-based testing. i didn't include split testing in this uh and the results were all based on tests that had completed as well so it's more like to meet customers rather than people that are just trialing the product. Um, but from a few thousand tests that were run on the tool, 18% um, of the tests led to no meaningful change and 34% led to a decrease in clicks. So okay. there's a 52% chance of the changes that you're making to your pages or site or whatever are going to lead to either no change whatsoever or a decrease in clicks. And that means there's only a 48% chance that there's going to be an improvement in clicks. Um, which is about 50-50, toss of a coin. So I know you wouldn't say that when you go to a client and say, you know, we're going to work on your site. There's a 50-50 chance we'll increase the traffic for you. And there's a 34% we might decrease it. But it kind of shows how important it is to be tracking these things, whether you're running as a test or doing rank tracking or whatever. Um, there's a 50-50 chance that the changes that you're going to be making on page stuff mostly um, yeah. going to lead to more clicks. You want to be tracking that. And what was also, what's also really interesting um, from speaking to all the customers that are using the tool. Uh, I, I always kind of, when I was initially doing sales demos for the tool, um, I was saying to people, you know, you can make a change to a, a page, uh, set up a test, run a test. If the test result comes back negative, then you can roll back the, the changes that you made to go back to what you were previously. And I assume that's what people were doing for a long time. But what it turns out most people are doing is that they'll make a change, they run the test and check the test result. And if they don't get a positive test result or they don't get an increase as much as they like, they don't roll it back. What they actually do is they iterate from that point onwards and they'll keep iterating and keep running tests and keep making changes to that page until they get the positive result or the increase they are expecting to see. Um, so it's not a test and roll back thing like I thought and how I was trying to sell it initially. Um, yeah. You, you can use testing much more as an iterative type process. So um, make a change, test it, see the results. If it's not what you like, iterate, iterate, iterate until you get the rankings and the kind yes. of the results that you're hoping for. 
Nice. I was I was actually thinking that data to suggest that the success of tests is quite high because just due to my I guess previous experience in like CRO and split testing, there was always the common figure that you know nine out of ten tests would fail, but you know eventually you will find something that will work. But it's it was quite shocked me that actually it was quite a high percentage in terms of things that have been successful with, with well within testing. So I guess that's quite encouraging. But I guess it's it's always what you really want to be doing is finding these things that make a significant shift on your website and then uh, I guess doubling down on them or, you know, focus on that area more in terms of if that works successfully. I think um, with the development teams now and a lot of investment going into SEO as a performance channel, you need to really uh, <laughs> highlight why the budget is worth it in terms of not only, I guess, agency resource or internal resource, but also development resource as well. So I guess things like this can really highlight, you know, um, the reason why you're investing in this as a channel, right? Yeah, totally. And um, as you, you mentioned, the SEO testing guide that I wrote and published on the yeah. site and so on, it goes through the business reasons of why SEO testing is useful as well. And it's like you say, you know, businesses only have an SEO in particular, only gets a certain amount of budget and perhaps not often not the budget it deserves. Um, and so if you're able to roll out some smaller changes across the site and measure those results and take them to the business and say, look, we've changed X number of pages, a subset of pages, and we're able to see this benefit of doing it, you know, you can then prove the return on investment of having, you know, more investment or whatever, um, and rolling out changes across the entire site. So you can certainly use SEO testing from a business perspective as well in terms of um, justifying the spend and or the increase in spend on, on the activities that you're doing. And I believe that guide ranks number one for SEO testing, if I'm if I am correct. <laughs> it does, yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, that is a really useful resource. I know I shared it with the, the rest of the team when we were delivering a lot of training sessions on this. So yeah, we'll link that in the show notes because I think it's a, a really great um, guide in terms of understanding like the process that you need, should put in place before testing. So yeah, um, really useful. Yeah. Fantastic. One of the things I did um, consider doing, and I might do this just internally anyway, was obviously I've got all these test results and I know the people and the businesses that run them. Was uh, was generating a little league table to see uh, who had the best results. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. That might be a bit contentious if that gets probably would That be, might yeah. just have to be an internal one. <laughs> anyway. um, but it's actually Nick, this is probably a good time to ask. Now Ed's mentioned the guide. Um, is there anything else you would want to uh, point people towards, uh, or just the the best ways to find information about the tool and about you? Yeah. So well, check out seotesting.com. Um, and what I can do is there's a 14 day trial. So obviously anyone can, can sign up to that, but, um, I should have done this beforehand, but I'll, I'll set up a special link and I'll give it to you guys. So you can include it in the show notes oh, fantastic. that will, um, extend the trial to 30 days for anybody. Um, awesome. so yeah, I can do that to, 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 for the listeners and so on. Um, yeah. and yeah, if, uh, on Twitter is the best place to get hold of me. So just, uh, Nick Swan is my Twitter handle. And I'm on there probably daily checking things and, uh, and tweeting away. So, but in terms of the tool, it's like I said before, it's just me working on it. So if you have any questions, you'll get the person who's been writing the code, answering them. And the tool really now is built on customer feedback and customer ideas and so on. So it is initially to solve my own problems, but yeah. it's kind of taken on its own life now and it's built for the customers. So if you do use the tool, have any ideas, do, want to do anything interesting with Google Search Console data and, and websites and HTML and so on, then you know, let me know. And if I can see it as a benefit for, for all customers, then it's, you know, likely to be built into the tool and, and able to help everyone then. So it's good. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you very much for that. And uh, yeah, thank you for the code that we'll be able to share with our listeners as well. Um, I mean, this this conversation has been, has been great from my perspective, as I mentioned earlier. I feel 
uh, inspired to kind of go and use use the tool a lot more now and really give it a go. Uh, and I know Ed's already been stuck in, so um, I'm sure Ed, you've you've enjoyed having the chance to chat about what you've seen so far. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just my first uh, experience in the past few months, I guess, has just been great. Yeah, um, looking to have run it through a lot of clients, and I think more than ever, I think clients are really bought into it. When we've started presenting it to clients, they've seen the real value in it. They, I think, typically we used to do this manually, so using pulling out Search Console data, understanding dates. But I think this has just allowed us to automate that process, and uh, clients are a, a, a big believer in it as well. So yeah, it's a really exciting time. Yeah, I'd echo that. The clients I've mentioned it to so far have been very positive. I mean, for them, it's just demonstrating results, isn't it? And I don't don't know yeah. of many clients in who are working with agencies who don't want to see results. So uh, it's a bit of a no-brainer, I think. But uh, yes, that will do it for this week's Rank Up podcast episode. Um, so thank you very much for coming on, Nick. And uh, thank you, Ed, as always, for joining me with your questions. Uh, we will be back in a couple of weeks time with more on-page SEO content for you uh, and we're excited to be able to continue bringing you a variety of voices from within the SEO industry uh, as we go into the end of 2021 and beyond uh, and in the meantime we would really appreciate it if you could leave a review on the podcast app of your choice uh, anything that you do uh, really helps us helps us to get our own rankings up uh, wherever you're listening so uh, we really appreciate that uh, and if you want us to uh, if you want to appear on the podcast in the future or if you have any questions for future guests uh, or even just chat about SEO then you can find uh, myself and Ed on Twitter along with Nick uh, I am at Ben J Gary with two R's in Gary and Ed is at Ed JTW with two D's in Ed uh, and if you can't wait for us to be back um, with the next episode, then you can check out the Impression blog at impression.co.uk slash blog, uh, where you can find all of the latest articles and info on what we're doing. Although I will say, depending on when this episode goes out, uh, there may be a bit of a delay in things appearing there as we are migrating to a new website. Um, so while it's an exciting time for the company, it's a trickier time for the blog. Uh, so just bear with us there if you don't see too much going on in the next few days. Um, and as always, we highly recommend checking out womenintechseo.com slash speakers, which is a great place to find more people who are speaking and writing about the kind of topics that we discussed on the show. Uh, so Nick and Ed, thank you very much again. And uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks for your next installment of On Page Conversation. Goodbye, everyone. Bye.